All right, all right, all right. Welcome in to a live episode of On the Clock. This is Toilets the Titles NFL Draft Show. This is episode number 39. Right now, we are bi-weekly. Last week, we talked quarterbacks. This week, we're talking wide receivers. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Ephraim Geller. Ephraim, how are we doing this evening? Doing great. Good week of football this week. Sadly, watched my Niners lose a third straight game. But picking up Chase Young, super excited to see what they do next. And I'm ready to talks in football with our great guest today yeah man well the, the Niners thought their season ended when they won their Super Bowl so uh that I think I think that's what happened man and I'm a Cowboys fan and I, I was like planting the flag Niners are winning this thing but they they can't I, it was like the Cowboys were there like that was their grail and then they did that and they just fell apart it's like every week the Niners win a game and they're the best team and then they lose a game and everyone's worried about Purdy and about Shanahan and it's if you could take a consistent level to the Niners are a good team. They're not as good as the Chiefs. Everything's going to be fine from there. Well, I was no, no, that wasn't the case. I don't think, I don't think anybody panicked until they lost their third straight game there. Everyone was still the, I, I was looking like every week I was looking to place a bet on the Niners to win the Super Bowl. And the odds didn't shift until week three, but this isn't an NFL draft. Uh, this isn't an NFL show. This is an NFL draft show. We're joined by Oliver Hodgkinson from the CFN 365. Oliver, how are we doing this evening? Doing really well, guys. Thanks for having me. It's been a it's been a while since I've been on the show, so it's nice to be back. Yeah, man. It was like the end of the last NFL draft cycle. We have you back. So, so how have you been? It's been a long time. A lot of prospects you've watched. So, like, what's it been like for you, man, over the last uh, few months or so? Yeah, really good, man. It's uh, very my life's very college football centric now. Not as much on the NFL draft side, but watching. You know, I don't. I couldn't even begin to say. I'm sat. I've got the Mac on as we're we're talking right now. So it's like Tuesday to Saturday night right now, watching college football nonstop, wall to wall. And I don't think it gets better than that. To be honest with you, man. Man, it's a beautiful thing. Well, it'll get a little bit better when uh, they have college football, like the video game comes out. Once the world is given that gift once again, I do think then then college football will be at its peak level because in between games. We'll be able to sit back and you know hit the sticks and play some college football. Yeah, it's uh, that seems like a never-ending wait, doesn't it? Right, and it's yeah. Every, every time some news comes out, it's like, oh, I want some news on a college football game, and it's like, well, actually, maybe hold off on buying a PlayStation Five. Maybe get yourself a PlayStation Six, or maybe and it's like, oh, I don't know, PlayStation Seven might be by the time they actually bring it out. But yeah, everyone's just get it. Let's just get it on, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And now that we have this Gilded Chat with the Title Tribe, which everyone out there listening, you should get in this Gilded Chat. We have over 200 people in there. We're talking NFL, NFL draft, college football. But once co the college football video game comes out, I am going to set up a league in there. We're going to have, we'll have like 50, 60 teams because I'm sure by then it'll be cross platform. And if you're, you know, Ephraim knows what cross platform is. He's a young, he's a young fella. So he grew up with cross platform. I grew up when you had to buy the adapter to plug into your PlayStation 2. It wasn't meant to be on the internet. You had to buy an adapter to plug in, screw it in, and then plug a wire to just to get it to the internet. Shout out to SOCOM US Navy SEALs. That was like the first online shooter I ever played. But when this game comes out, cross-platform, get with the title tribe because we're going to be doing like full-blown college football league. Everyone's going to get a team. It's going to be good stuff. But Oliver, let everybody know where they can find your content before we start breaking down these 2024 wide receivers. Uh, so if you get yourself to uh, www.collegefootballnetwork.com, that's where the, you'll find anything you can think of that you want to know about college football from 
betting and fancy previews to midweek games like the one that's going on now between Bowling Green and Bull State, to weekly power rankings, uh, in-depth interviews with college football student-athletes, talking about the work they do on and off the field, anything you can think of related to college football, you get yourself to collegefootballnetwork.com, and that's where you can find all of my work. Excellent, man. Awesome. All right, and if you're watching this, we're only two YouTube subscribers away from 1900. It's not quite 2000, but 1900 is still a milestone. We'd love to hit that this evening. So please make sure you hit the subscribe button so we can. So I think it's only fitting that we start this thing off talking about the number one wide receiver in this class. He has been the number one wide receiver in the nation, at least since last year, right? Like last year that like he couldn't come out. He was the top wide receiver prospect. This year, he is still the top wide receiver prospect. That's Marvin Harrison Jr. from the Ohio State University. So what are your thoughts on Marvin Harrison Jr.? Yeah, it's, um, I'm not in the business of, of making a, an NFL draft board now since my focus switched to college football, but I know people who have got Marvin Harrison um, Jr. not only as the top wide receiver in this class, but also as the number one overall player in the class. And it's, it's easy to see why, you know. I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago about Marvin Harrison Jr. about why I believe he deserves to be in the shout for the, the Heisman Trophy. If you're looking for a guy who, A, dominates a game, takes over a game, is the best, is very best at his position. If you're looking for a guy who is the heartbeat of the offense, this is what Marvin Harrison Jr. is. And I saw a comment this week where someone was like, oh, well, production, production, production. Well, Marvin Harrison Jr. is like, he's no slouch in the production standpoint. This guy's sixth in the nation at the moment in receiving yards, 889 receiving yards, eight touchdowns, 10th in the nation. Decent production there. But it's how Marvin Harrison operates that makes him such a unique and talented prospect for the 2024 NFL draft. Got to get used to saying 2024 NFL draft, by the way, because I spent so long saying 2023. It's like... Mm -hmm. We've got to get that into working it in nicely. But you look at Marvin Harrison Jr. Kid's six foot four, two hundred and five pounds, tall, long, great catch radius. Like this is a kid that you put you flip Ohio State on, and whenever the ball is thrown in his direction, you are pretty much like you guaranteed that he's going to catch the ball. He's going to come down with it because this kid has got strong hands, contested catch threat, wins. Like almost effortlessly on release as well. He's got great, well-developed, varied route, um, <coughs> excuse me, release package. For a kid of his size, good long speed, short range agility, explosive. Um, and I think something we we don't talk about enough with, with wide receivers is, you know, you talk about, yeah, this kid's quick. Yeah, this quick that kid can accelerate, but his ability to manipulate his route tempo, to, to really throttle down and, change direction almost effortlessly. It's, it's all there for Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, and there's a reason why he's so widely um, thought of in this class, so highly thought of in this class and widely regarded as as the best wide receiver and the best, you know, for some people, the best overall prospect. This year has been difficult. Um, you know, the, the Ohio State offense hasn't been what we've used to seeing from him. He's not uh, from, from, from them. Quarterback position isn't as great as we've seen in recent years with CJ Stroud and Justin Fields. But Marvin Harrison Jr., like he, he still dominates that offense. Um, I think it, I was I was doing some comparisons between him and Devontae Smith's Heisman season at Alabama. And 
very similar numbers in terms of how much they contribute to that offense, the, the percentage of the total production that comes through Marvin Harrison. And you don't do that without being an elite player. We saw it with Devontae Smith. We've seen it with, Devon, uh, with, with Marvin Harrison. A couple of injuries this year have really set him back a little bit. Um, if you can, if you can say set back for you know a kid who right. is, is this good, but he he'd be easily in the thousand yards, I think, if he'd not had that um, injury against Indiana, injury against Notre Dame. So a lot of people will you, you talk about Marvin Harrison. A lot of people go, oh Notre Dame, he didn't do anything. Like kid was injured in that game. You've, you've got to there's got to be context to everything you talk right. about when you're discussing these prospects, discussing college football players, um, and and that's your context for that Notre Dame game. Yes, they've got great cornerbacks. Uh, that's there's no denying that guys like Benjamin Morrison, great, great players who are going to have their day when it comes to the NFL draft. But look what they did to Caleb that. Williams, For like sure. that that secondary. For sure, that's that secondary is legit. You know, we we talk about Xavier um, Xavier Watts for safety. Two games with two interceptions this season. Yeah, there, there's so much talent in that Notre Dame defense. Um, but um, that's that that's not the issue for Marvin Harrison in that game, and you need to add that context into his evaluation. Yeah, man, I, I love it. I love your analysis, and kind of reminds me a little bit of Jackson Smith and the Jigba, as far as he had a huge. I think it was a Rose Bowl, but then he a lot of his 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 draft season, he was injured, so we didn't get to see too much of him. But I also think that obviously Harrison's on another level. But you know, shout out to Brian Hartline. Shout out to the wide receiver room at Ohio State University because they are just pumping out studs from Olave, Garrett, Garrett, William, uh, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, Najigba, Marvin Harrison. And then there's another first-round wide receiver on that roster, Amika Buka. And Harrison, he's a, he's a first-round prospect. And Harrison is still like separates himself from Buka. So, Ephraim, what are your thoughts on Marvin Harrison Jr.? You guys said it perfectly. You could really just go down – a list of all the traits you want in an NFL receiver. And I don't know where you would miss on Marvin Harrison Jr. What I really like to look at and what summarizes him as a draft uh, prospect in total is he went off against Kalen King, the Penn State cornerback. Kalen King, for those who don't know, right, he's top three consensus corner prospect in the nation. People have him as number one. I've seen him as high as top 10, top 15 in mock drafts. And it was it even close. Marvin Harrison Jr. was beating him off the line every single time. His release package, Marvin Harrison did not let him get a single hand on him the whole time, winning deep, turning him around. He made Kalen King look like a day three prospect, and it gave flashes to when A.J. Terrell faced off against Jamar Chase, and Jamar Chase torched him, and people were ha- people were going off against A.J. Terrell. Why did the Falcons draft him in the first round? He got torched against another college corner. Well, Jamar Chase wasn't just another college corner. Same, uh, sorry, college receiver. Marvin Harrison Jr. is doing the same thing. He's showing he's not just another wide receiver in college football. He's head and shoulders ahead of every single player that he will face up against this entire season. You make love a it, great point. It. You make a great point about that game. Sorry to interrupt you there, Coach. The um, that that the the, the game ceiling touchdown. Marvin Harrison Jr. is sent Kalen King into another country, let alone another you know like zip code. Like that release was just insane, and then you know he does the rest after the catch as well. Is just that if you want to put a game of Marvin Harrison's on as a, a highlight reel of of what he can do for you as an NFL prospect, that Penn State great game is a is a legitimate game to put on. You could you yeah. could take that same exact film and just put it right in the NFL and expect for him to do the same thing against most of the average corners in the NFL. 
Well, yeah, we, I mean, I, I'm pretty excited to see Marvin Harrison Jr. We just completed a mock draft. So everyone needs to go to toilettstitles.com because Oliver helped us. This is our third mock draft that actually released this morning. And I think Marvin Harrison Jr. went to the Patriots, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. But if he didn't, there must be a Freudian slip going on in my brain because it'd be very interesting to see the son of a cult ending up in New England. And it would completely like, you know, I have flashes of Chad Jackson and uh, I forget the cat from Marshall who the New England uh, the New England Patriots drafted at wide receiver like 15 years ago. So they they tend to miss early. And, and that would be like he would like break the trend of wide receivers that Bill Belichick misses on. But I'm going to talk about another wide receiver here. Malik Neighbors. He's one of my five favorite wide receivers in this class. I think after Marvin Harrison, it, there's probably three guys that could go as, as the wide receiver too. It's what's your flavor. This is my flavor. Uh, Malik Neighbors reminds me so much of CeeDee Lamb, A.J. Brown, with how dangerous he is after the catch and how much he is targeted, how much he's a part of that offense. He's versatile. 48% of his routes have came from the slot. 52 have came from outside. So you could put him anywhere. It's about six foot one, 201 pounds. And you know, I love the Bruce Feldman freak list. He's number 33 on the Bruce Feldman freak list. He is an absolute freak. 860 receiving yards prior to this week was number one in the nation. Through seven games, 36% of his catches have gone for at least 20 yards. 80.8% of his catches have gone for either a first down or a touchdown. He's a playmaker. Put the ball in his hands. He's strong. He's got a very good build. Like he's got the lower body of a running back. He, he like lightning bolt, lightning in a bottle. Like I said, like the what CD Lamb did last week against the Rams, what AJ Brown did last week. Like those are the types of games I could see a Malik Neighbors having in your offense because you they're going to try to the defense is going to try to game plan him. Not a lot of DBs in the NFL travel. They don't like they stay on the right or they stay on the left. Malik neighbors, you're going to be able to move all over the offense and it's going to absolutely drive defensive coordinators insane. He's in fantasy football. Cause we talk a lot about that at toilets of titles. He's the type of guy you're going to want because he's going to get probably anywhere from eight to 12 targets a game. Like Josh downs player. I was talking up last year, loved him throughout the draft process. He's already the target hog in Indianapolis. I'm, I'm sorry, Pittman, but it's downs. Neighbors not cut from the same cloth, but he's going to demand a similar target share because he's quarterback friendly, right? Quarterback friendly, and he could also make something happen after the catch. But Oliver, what, what are your thoughts on Malik Neighbors? Yeah, I think you look at him and, and similar to what Efren was saying about Marvin Harrison, you pull up a checklist of what you want to see from an NFL wide receiver, and, and Malik Neighbors ticks a lot of those boxes, speed, agility, vision, body control, hands. Tick, 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 tick. I think there's 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 some similarities really between how Marvin Harrison and Malik Neighbors play the game. Malik Neighbors a more physical type of receiver than you're gonna get with Marvin Harrison. You alluded to it there. His his size, his frame, his lower body strength. He, he's a very much more different physical component than than what you're gonna get with a Marvin Harrison. Um, but this it's not for nothing that Malik Neighbors, like you said, leads the league in uh, leads the nation in receiving yards, yards per game, 15 touchdowns. On an offense that has got a guy in Brian Thomas Jr., who I'm really high on as well. Um, and to, you know, talking about Harrison and Amika Egbuka in that wide receiver room at Ohio State, like 
Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. is a very similar situation at, at LSU. And Malik Neighbors is like, no one's talking about Brian Thomas, who is a, a guy who I think you end up getting as an underrated wide receiver in this NFL draft class. And um, because, you know, he's, he's just not quite there with where Malik Neighbors is at right now. I love it. I love it. And, and like any year we do this, we could probably start this wide receiver episode with an LSU wide receiver and with an Ohio State wide receiver. I just think that's, that, that's the way it goes. But I want to move on to Keon Coleman. Keon Coleman shifts from Michigan State, right? He was a two-sport athlete at Michigan State, played basketball, played football. You know, Jaden Reed, you know, what was kind of the guy there last year, graduates, Coleman leaves, goes to Florida State. Johnny Wilson is the guy. But the second the game start being played, Coleman – is he's he's shining he's a standout so Ephraim I'm gonna pass it to you man what are your thoughts on Keon Coleman out of Florida State University I had the same reaction where I was super excited to watch Johnny Wilson this season and he's been fine but Keon Coleman t- like completely took the stop took the spotlight he's leading college football nine touchdowns I think he's tied with Malik Neighbors and Troy Franklin Jr. who's another great wide receiver prospect He's a jump ball threat, dominates at the catch point, and knows how to use every bit of his 6'4 frame. 61 targets with zero drops. Right, So PFF puts out a drop rating every year, and he's right there at 91, which is, I think, second in the nation. 75 overall receiving aid. Every year, we look for these X receivers. Right, you got to be 6'1", 6'2", 6'3". We filter out all the top receivers, and we're only left with a few that fit these measurables. And then I'm writing these prospects profiles every year, and it's like, okay, there's a 6'3 receiver who's a security blanket, wins in the red zone, throw the ball up, who went on the comeback. And then I'm writing up his weaknesses, and I'm saying he sacrifices all this size and all these big body receiver abilities for a lack of juice and a lack of athleticism. Mm-hmm. And to get a player like Keon Coleman, who has all those big body receiver X abilities, and then could also get juice and separation on a play-to-play basis, he's throwing stiff arms and hurdling defenders at 6'4", 2'15". You're not supposed to see someone do this. Every week, it's something different with him. He's the superior superior athlete on every single play. Again, this week, Wake Forest, Kalen Carson, who's a top 50, 60 prospect, got dusted by Keon Coleman. So just another example to go back to what Marvin Harrison Jr. did against a great corner prospect. Keon Coleman did something similar, putting up against putting up a show against a nice day two player. Man, the the wide receiver you just described before describing Coleman, the wide receiver who had the size but but kind of gives up on the speed. That that's a Kelvin Harmon. I loved Kelvin Harmon coming out of North Carolina State, man, and he just couldn't separate. And that's when I the NFL started to shift over like the last seven or eight years. Those bigger bodied wide receivers who can't create bigger passing windows cannot create separation. They drop. And Keon Coleman is not going to drop this guy. When I watched him, the first time I watched him, what I noticed from him is not only the like at the catch point, what body control for a guy of his size. Like he is elegant, like a, like a ballerina in the air. That one handed catch he had over the middle where he reached over the defender. Absolutely phenomenal. But after the catch, the game he plays with one DB, when he's got one DB in front of him, I'm telling you, it's like going to Rucker Park in the city, watching a point guard go up against the defender. One up, like he looks like he's he's so quick to set that defender up with a move and then boom. So he's he's pretty dangerous after the catch, especially if there's only one DB over the top. But Albert, what are your thoughts on Keon Coleman? 
Yeah, I think you guys summed it up brilliantly. Like the, my one line of Keon Coleman is he boasted physical physicality and contested catch ability of a receiver that you would expect from his size, you know, six four, two ten. You'd expect him to do that. But he combines it with the the explosiveness, the agility, the body control of a smaller wide receiver. And like you guys say, I don't think there's I don't think there's a, a route he can't run. I don't think there's a position he won't be able to put himself in to make a catch. That con, that that body control, that contortionism ability is just it's just alluring, man. That's gonna some NFL team more than one NFL team is, is going to fall in love with Keon Coleman and they're going to fall head over heels in love with the kid. Yeah, and like you can't like you miss out on Harrison. Like if if, if neighbors or Coleman like are you know, and if you have a young quarterback. Like who who needs a wide receiver who's gonna make a play for him? You know those those guys are gonna get it done. But Oliver, what are your thoughts on the other Ohio State wide receiver? I'm sure he's I'm sure he's overhearing himself being called that. But Amika Buka at Ohio State University, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I think he, he does get overlooked a little bit. You look at the production this year; it is nowhere near on the same level. He's had some issues with injuries. Um, it's kind of like a consistent theme for Ohio State wide receivers. To be honest, you touched on Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, in previous years, Chris Olave as well, while he was at Ohio State, he had some issues with injuries. Both of those guys this year um, had some issues. But, you know, you flip back the clock a year, this is a kid with over a 1,000 yards, um, 10, 10 touchdowns, over 15 yards per catch last year. Smaller, slimmer kind of build than Marvin Harrison and, and Keon Coleman, but exceptional catch technique, you know, from timing from positioning of his hands keeping strong throughout the um the 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 process of the catch my girlfriend will go mad for say for me saying process i'm english it's process over here but i spend so much time talking to americans it's right process yeah um, <laughs> but it's it, exceptional catch technique and i think probably what you look at it i think arguably one of the best catch techniques um if you're looking for a textbook how you should catch a, a football um, consistently and reliably, Amika Abuka has, has got that in his bag. Um, great route runner. Um, he's got every single trick in the book for me in terms of um, route running deception. You know, you want to you want to put a defender on his heels using you know head fakes. You want slight body control. You know, he's got it all. Um, and I think as an as an underrated like second choice to Marvin Harrison, you're probably going to get a bargain out of a kid like Amika Igbuka because he, he, he's a legitimate wide receiver two contender in this class, I think. Um, but he hasn't been he isn't being discussed as such just because of the, the sheer, you know, sheer numbers. And, and when it comes down to a draft evaluation, that's that's not what we're, you know, people are looking at. It's not what people are looking for. The numbers don't mean anything. What you produce in college you know, yeah, it's it's a it's a signpost, it's a flag, but it, it doesn't actually mean anything when you get on that NFL field and it's the, the skill set and the talent and the, the Amiga Buka's got that in spades. Man, yeah, I'm sure your old lady gets upset when you say process, and also I'm sure she gets upset when you say football. And you're referring, you're 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 referring to our brand of football. But Ephraim, what are you, what are your thoughts on Buka? He has a ton of translatable translatable traits, smooth route runner. He's versatile. He played, I think, 75% of his slots, uh, snaps in the slot, but you could line him up outside, and I'm not too worried about that. Very well-rounded, can separate vertically, can find soft spots in zone. He hasn't shown much as a yak yak threat, but I'm hoping he comes back in a few weeks. Or I've heard rumors of him coming back this week. Right, like He's been out for a few weeks, 
And there's these other receivers. We just talked about Keon Coleman. There's these other receivers who are slowly jumping him, and we're seeing them on Twitter, on Reddit, everywhere they're jumping up. Look at these new receivers, and Emeka's just on the sidelines. With Emeka, Emeka, he's going to get labeled as this traditional high IQ, polished receiver. Chris Olave kind of had it a little bit. Jackson Smith and Jigba for sure got it, where you're nervous about these receivers who have those skills that coaches love but don't have the traits to really boost their stock. And I think Emeka has really good downfield speed. He is burst and he has some sneaky explosiveness. I'm not worried about that at all. And he's fun to watch. Gonna, yeah, they're, you, you said it perfectly. Some team's going to say, you know, we don't care that he's the other guy at Ohio State. We're going to take him and they're going to get an absolute steal. All right, let's talk about Romo Dunze. Wide receiver, Washington, 6'3", 215 pounds. We could say like Coleman, big body, you know, after the catch, graceful. But Odunze, he's like he's that field stretcher. He's that center fielder. He the way he tracks the ball when it is flight is in flight is super impressive. He was a state champ running track in high school, so he's not just a big guy. This guy can fly, and for a big guy who can stretch the field, he's not a one trick pony. Like he is not afraid to go over the middle to take the contested catch. Like he will. He will move the chains if you need him to move the chains. He will do the dirty work if you need him to do the dirty work. And one of the most impressive things about Adunze, and I, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, against Oregon, there was like a minute left. They're down like a touchdown. And he has a back shoulder fate, like comeback, in the end zone. And this was like one of the biggest games in college football this season, you know, up until that point. DB's draped all over him. In his pocket, he turns back for the ball. Like, this is crunch time. Like, you got to make this catch in order for us to have a chance to win this ball game. DB flashes his hands in his eyes. No hesitation. Snatches the ball. Touchdown. Not shook. Not rocked. Completely calm, cool, and collected. And and to me, I value that. Like, I value a, a wide receiver who's not afraid of the moment. Because it's one thing to catch a ball in a game against some cool school that doesn't matter in a moment that doesn't matter. It's one thing to catch a touchdown pass when your team's already up 20 points, but you're trailing, they're looking for you, and you make the play when it matters. So I thought that was pretty damn impressive. But Oliver, what are your thoughts on Adunze? Yeah, he's a he's a physical guy and uh, no, you know, there's no doubt about that. I think he's got one of the best catch radiuses in this catch in this class. The, his catch radius is insane. He's noticeably longer on than a lot of the prospects in this class. And you know, you you talk about everything that he brings to the football field. That catch point ability is for me almost second to none. You know, a contortionist with ludicrous body control. Some of the catches that he's made for for Washington this year have been absolutely insane. And you know, a lot of people will. Um, you see it every year. A lot of people talk about scheme and oh, Washington play. You know the, what they do with Michael Penix is friendly for Roma Dunze. But I, I'm not buying it. You know you you talk about you know from talk use the phrase translatable traits, and I think Roma Dunze has got them in in spades, man. Love it, love it. All right, let's move on to a player who played on the other side of the football. That's Troy Franklin. Out of Oregon. So he was on the other side of that Oregon game when they played Washington. No, Ephraim, I know you got some things to say about Troy Franklin. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I wrote up a nice little article on Troy Franklin. Check that out at toiletstitles.com. I had an amazing time watching Troy Franklin Jr. The first thing that stands out is that he's 6'3", 180 pounds. 
it's an anomaly in college football. So he's the same weight, you know, a guy like Devontae Smith or Zay Flowers was, but he's you know four inches taller. He's a hell like, of a football. Uh, it's like JL Skinner last year. The same exactly. Boise State. Um, exactly. And I fell for JL Skinner hard. I, yeah, he's been out a couple of weeks. I'm I'm hoping he can get back on the field. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry, it's not JL Skinner. Troy Franklin is awesome. He could align himself with defenders well. He'll manipulate them. He'll take the edges they'll give him. He'll turn inside. He'll turn outside. Deep speed. He got nuances in his routes and he uses his athleticism to create yards after the catch. Right. You don't get many receivers who could create explosive plays before they get the ball and after they get the ball, right? He'll, he'll beat a defender deep, but he'll also take a short ball and, and throw a little wiggle into it and get an extra 10 to 15 yards. In theory, his skill set should perfectly translate to the NFL. Three-level separation and everything you want in an X receiver. The question is, how much is his builds going to limit him at the NFL level? There's one part of Franklin where he goes into the NFL and he's doing all the same things he did in college football. And you're getting a steal. You're getting a bona fide number one receiver in the in the NFL. I'm convinced. And then there's this type of Troy Flanken where there's, he can't do all the same things in the NFL because these bigger physical receivers are limiting him. They're putting their hands on him at the line of scrimmage, and he can't get off press. So you take that out of his game. He's trying to make plays and win at the point of catch 20 yards down the field, and he can't even get off the ground because these corners are bottling him out. You could start going down the list and taking things out of his game that he won't be able to do if he can't adjust to NFL play strength. So he will be a tough eval. People are going to be split on him, and you're going to have to make the decision. But overall, on just a pure college skill set level, he's right in there as a first-rounder. What are your thoughts, Oliver? Yeah, he's a, like I think, like Efren said there, the biggest knock on him as an NFL draft prospect is going to be that size, that stature. I think whenever you see a guy like Devontae Smith coming out and having the – the success he's had against that knock that he had on his NFL draft stock. And he continues to be successful in the NFL. Zay Flowers has come in and transitioned immediately to, to the NFL to, to, to use the comparison of the two guys that you mentioned there. You know, he's, he's probably going to get, despite being 6'3", uh, 6'2", sorry, he's going to be probably pigeoned as a as a slot receiver. Um, and he, he he's shown for Oregon that he can win extremely well out of the slot even though he's versatile as a college football player played wide played from the slot um just i, I love when you watch uh, troy uh, franklin his he moves so smoothly he's a fluid athlete who you know you've got no worries about you know any any issues from an athleticism standpoint with this kid um, i think he's you know i think maybe because of his size maybe because um he's out there playing it you know, 10 30 p.m eastern or it's half 3 a.m uk time there are people who are you're going to say troy franklin to him and they don't really know who he is they don't know all that about him and i think with oregon as well there's the bo nicks tez johnson um the storyline and the the um the connection that those two guys have sometimes has the ability to kind of overshadow what troy franklin is doing for that oregon offense which is arguably one of the most efficient offenses in the nation this year um, so yeah, I think I think he's very underrated as an NFL draft prospect. It'll be interesting to see how this whole process process plays out for him um, over the next few months. All right, I'm going to touch on one more wide receiver. I was going to, I mean, the NFL. I feel like wide receivers fall off trees. The way that they've been coming out, like if you need a wide receiver, good chance you're going to get one. You know, we're not really churning out running backs like we used to, but wide receivers every year so so we're only going to touch on one more 
But I'm sure later in the process, we'll probably touch on about 10, 15, 20 more. But this last guy, Oliver, I want to ask you about, this is Ephraim's guy. Ephraim's been beating the drum for Xavier Leggett, you know, since since I can remember, since I started watching 2024 NFL draft prospects. So, so what are your thoughts on Leggett uh, down there in South Carolina? Yeah, he's ludicrous, right? Like, let's, let's not be about the bush. This kid is is just ludicrous. And it's, it's almost ludicrous that it's taken to this point for him to be kind of nationally recognized like you guys just mentioned there i did um south carolina's nfl draft prospects um as part of a broader look at the sec for the last draft cycle and xavier leggett was a guy that i had as a potential guy to come out of south carolina last year um but he is just it's just that that combination of the size the speed that he brings to the table as a, as a wide receiver there's not too many wide receivers particularly in college football who are 6'3 227 but move like they're I'm not going to say 100 meter runners because that's absolutely that, that is ridiculous but he has got that that speed for his size which is just incredible he's a versatile piece who can contribute in a lot of ways and when it when it boils down to separating at any position the more you can do right and Xavier Leggett is going to be able to come into an NFL team and probably straight away without having to force it as snaps at the wide receiver position. He's going to come in and be able to play special teams where he's a kick returner or a punt returner. And that's incredibly value when you start ticking boxes and start trying to narrow down those small differences between your wide receiver two and your wide receiver three or your wide receiver four and five, et cetera, et cetera. Being able to do that is is incredibly valuable in, in, the, in the evaluation um, prospect, but his um, like we've mentioned with a couple of the guys in this in this show tonight, his ability to temper his route tempo, you know that stop start, use that to deceive um, defensive backs and linebackers, just it's just incredible. His awareness, his body control at the catch point is is spot on. There's there's not too many like there's not too many knocks on his NFL draft evaluation. Um, other than the sheer rarity of the, the the prospect that he is, you know, in terms of that true size, speed, the height, weight, just not many people like him out there. Man, you mentioned his versatility and the ability to play special teams. You know what that's going to do for you? That's going to give you more people standing on the table for you in the draft room, in the war room. Like you're going to have more supporters if you're able and willing to do that role. You're not just going to have the offensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, you know, the GM, like people are going to be backing you if you can bring more things like that to the table. But Ephraim, I'm going to close it out with you. This is your guy. So if there's anything Oliver didn't touch on that you think needs to be brought out for Xavier Leggett, go ahead. Yeah. Oliver did a good job of speaking on his general profile. It is sad watching him not produce the same way the last two weeks. I think it's been like 20 and 30 yards and having him slow down. And no matter what, I'm going to support him. I've been supporting him for a few months. I mean, a guy who comes out in his fifth year with basically no production in the first four years and doubles his career production within the first two to three weeks, you can't help but root for him. And people are going to knock at him that he's a fifth-year senior. The NFL might see him a different way, but for a player to get that much better that late in his college career says a lot about his work ethic, said a lot, says a lot about his dedication, and gives you opportunity that he can go to the NFL as an older prospect and still continue to get better. Maybe he found some magic formula to improving his deep ball abilities, to his route running, to his catching in his, at his fifth year in college football. And then when he's a rookie, he'll do the same thing. So I'm excited to see what he does. I love watching him play with Spencer Rattler as usual. 
you know, mixed things on the offense in general, especially the O-line, but Xavier Leggett's always fun to watch. Man, and I think the NFL is, is going to have a little grace for players who are in their fifth or even their sixth year because of COVID. Things have changed. Like, there's a lot. Like, you, you go through and you look at, like, I, I use college football reference to look at stats when I'm putting my player profiles together. So, shout out toiletsandtitles.com, our NFL draft tab for our player profiles. You can see all of our write-ups there. And we also did a, uh, a mock draft that released today. But when I'm doing those profiles, I'm looking at stats. And you could look at all the years the players were in college and what they did. And there's a lot more, f- like, guys with five years in there than I can remember over the last decade. So that has a lot to do with COVID. So, you know, I think the NFL is going to get used to it. And I I think if at any point someone's not going to be knocked because of that, it's going to be like this year, next year, you know, last year around that time period. But Oliver, man, it has been incredible having you on. It has been way too long. We're going to have to find a way to get you back on like sometime within the next few months, much sooner than we did uh, this last time around. Yeah, I'd love to, man. I really always have a good time when I come on with you guys. Appreciate it, Ephraim. It's been a lot of fun, man. Episode number 39 of On the Clock. Check it out. Make sure you're subscribed to Toilets to Titles. We are only two subscribers away from 1900. Make sure you check out toiletstitles.com. And if you'd like to join our community, the Title Tribe, we have a gilded chat. You can reach out to me on the Twitter at Coach Sheps or toiletstitles at gmail.com. Reach out to me. Say, hey, I want to join the Title Tribe. I'll send you the link to our gilded chat. We have over 200 people in there, and it is nonstop NFL, NFL draft, fantasy football, college football, and it's a good community. There's no jerks in there. And that's like that's like one of these selling points. We're all cool everybody's a decent uh, member to the community and it's been a lot of fun. So everybody we'll catch you all later on. I'll see you in two weeks and uh, have a good one. Take care.